Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your presence. Thank you that your presence is here with us, Lord. We love your presence, Lord, and we love your word, Lord. And we pray, Lord, you would just continue to minister to all of us. We pray, Lord, that what I have to share, Lord, you would touch it with your mighty power. Turn this sermon into a message, Lord. May this be a message, God, from your heart to every one of our hearts. That's what I pray today, Lord. I pray, Lord, for those who are down. I pray for those who are fighting depression. I pray for those who are discouraged. I pray for those, Lord, who need a touch from heaven, Lord. I pray, Lord, you would touch us, Lord. Touch us, God. We thank you, Lord, for the awesome worship today. We ask, God, that your word would quicken us. We ask that your word would give us life. We ask that your word would minister truth to every one of our hearts, God. We thank you and we praise you. I thank you for this opportunity once again of sharing, Lord God, with my brothers and sisters here. I ask your blessing in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. It says, Then one of the scribes asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Or which is the the first in greatness? What's, What's the greatest commandment of all, Lord? Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. These two commandments are first in greatness and importance. Loving God is the most important command. Amen? When we love God, we love our neighbors. We love ourselves. We do what's right with joy, intensity, and conviction out of love for God. I've heard a lot of teaching over the years about the difference between the heart, the soul, the mind, and the strength. Some of it's been helpful. However, I think we've overcomplicated things here. How do you distinguish between the heart, the soul, and the mind? How do you you figure which one is working and which one... um, But as we look in other scriptures, I think we get clues as to what I believe Jesus was referring to when he said we are to love God this way, with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Well, first of all, heart and soul in the Bible are often used interchangeably. But when they're placed together... They're placed together to emphasize the amount of fervency. For example, Moses wrote 
in Deuteronomy 4.29, from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. If you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. And then 2 Kings 23.3 says, Then the king made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul. So heart and soul together is a way of emphasizing fervency. And then you have King Josiah who rose above all the other kings of Israel and Judah in his fervency toward God. In 2 Kings 23, 25, it says, Now before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might. According to all the law of Moses, nor after him did any arise like him. This is the only person in the Old Testament you find walking in the threefold emphasis of fervency toward God. And it's my opinion, based on these three scriptures and others like them, that Jesus is expressing here how much we are to love God. His fourfold emphasis, loving him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. He's declaring that we are to really, 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 really love God. Perhaps really should be replaced with four strong adjectives. We are to deeply, passionately, incessantly, completely love the Lord. And then when you add another scriptural truth that really comes alive, 1 John 4, 9, we love him because he first loved us. Amen? And we begin to fervently love God when we see how much he's first fervently loved us. We begin to passionately, incessantly, completely love God when we realize that he first has passionately, completely loved us. Hallelujah. Intense love for God is developed in the heart that grasps the deep, the, the depth, the length, the breadth, the height of the love of God. Is there anybody here this morning who wants to love God intensely? Amen? I do. <laughs> Well, let's take another look at King Josiah, 2 Kings 22.2. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. This is the one who, who served God with all his heart, with all his soul, and all his strength. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father, David. All the kings of Israel and Judah, their whole lives were evaluated and summarized in one of two ways, they were either like David or they were like Jeroboam. Being like David meant that they worshiped and loved God and did not fall into idol worship. David never fell into idolatry. In Psalm 44, I mean, he had some problems, but he did not worship idols. Psalm 44, 17 
All this has come upon us, but we have not forgotten you, nor have we dealt falsely with your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. If we have forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a foreign God, would not God search this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Jeroboam, on the other hand, God gave Jeroboam the ten tribes of Israel. God prophetically and then gave literally to Jeroboam the northern kingdom. But he did not trust God to keep him safely in the position that God gave him. He was afraid the people were going to return down to Jerusalem in Judah and begin to worship God there, and then he would lose his kingdom. So we read in 1 Kings 12, 26, Jeroboam said in his heart, If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam. Therefore, the king asked advice, made two calves of gold and said to the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel which brought you up from the land of Egypt. He set one up in Bethel and the other in Dan. He made two golden calves and put one in in each city of Bethel and Dan so that the people would not go down to Jerusalem. Jeroboam, he, he didn't worship the golden calves. What he worshiped was his position. He would do anything to keep the position that God gave him. He did not trust God to keep him there. He attempted in his flesh to hold on to his God-given blessings. So after King Jeroboam, all the other kings of Israel and Judah were either compared to him or David. For instance, 1 Kings 16.25, King Omri did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did worse than all who were before him. For he walked in all the ways of Jeroboam. And in his sin by which he had made Israel sin, provoking the God of Israel to anger with their idols. And then we have Jehoshaphat, a good king. Jehoshaphat walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father. He removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. And then we have another good king, Hezekiah. Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places, broke down the sacred pillars, and cut down the wooden images. And then we have Josiah again. 2 Chronicles 34.2. Josiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He walked in the ways of his father David. He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And we read that again. He walked in the ways of his father David. He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. I said that. Amen. Okay. I think the next slide, it says, um, they broke down the altars of the Baals and made dust of them. This, this is important. Listen carefully. They broke down the altars of the Baals and made dust of them and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burnt the bones 
of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. But so many other kings of Israel and Judah, they fell short of jo Josiah's intense love for God and his example of destroying all the idolatry. Example, 2 Kings 14.1 is Amaziah. Amaziah, the son of Joash, became king. He was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Yet, not like his father David. He did everything as his father Joash had done. However, the high places where they worshipped idols were not taken away. And the people still sacrificed and burnt incense on the high places. So, Josiah was like David. He was a faithful worshiper and lover of God. How do we apply his fervent love for God, which translated into fervent destruction of idolatry? Well, twice Paul in the New Testament labels covetousness or greed as idolatry. I don't have it listed, but that's in Colossians 3, 5 and Ephesians 5, 5. I've been heard it said that um, drug addiction is an, is an idol problem. It's an idolatry problem. It's the worship of self and the worship of a high and the worship of something more than God. But think about it. If Paul twice said, covetousness or greed is idolatry, that means under the New Testament, we make gods out of almost anything. We make gods out of anything we want more than God. If we're going to be like David and like Josiah, we need to tear down and destroy our idols and make sure we don't drift back to them. Developing a heart after God like David had, like Josiah had. Josiah did three things. He tore down the altars, he ground them to powder, and then he burned bones on them. <laughs> How do we apply that? It's our responsibility to tear down the idolatrous idols within our hearts. It's our place to destroy them, even if we have to rend our hearts to do so. <clears throat> Gideon was told he was, would be mightily used of God, but first he had to tear down the, the altar of Baal that belonged to his dad in the backyard of his house that he grew up in. In other words, <clears throat> there's a time and place to honor our parents, but God has to come first. And then you got to take those idols and grind them to powder. Josiah made dust of them. If we don't grind them to powder, I, I see Christians uh, tear down the idols one day and pick them up the next. 
And then he desecrated the high places. Josiah took one, one step further than any other king who destroyed the idolatry in Israel. He took it one step further. Not only did he tear down the altars, he made dust of them. He burned the bones of the priests on them. And this was actually prophesied years before. The next slide says, 1 Kings 13, 2. O altar, altar, thus says the Lord. Behold, a child Josiah by name shall be born to the house of David. And upon you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you. And men's bones shall be burned on you. What's the significance of that? Well, the bones desecrated those altars to the point where nobody ever even went back there. It became a desecrated place. That is a, that is a picture that you decide, you know what? My past is off limits to me for the rest of my life. You know what? I am not going to go back to that girl. I am not going to go back to that drug. I am not going to go back to that sin. That is off limits. And one of the surest ways to become like David or like Josiah, like a man after God's own heart, is so fervently loved God, Josiah just destroyed all the idolatry. One of the surest ways to become like David is to hang out with a man like David. I got to be around David Wilkerson for six years. I heard him preach every single week. I got to be around Don Wilkerson for almost 10 years here at Teen Challenge, besides the six years that I was on staff with him at Times Square Church. Let me tell you something about the Wilkersons. They were not flatterers. They didn't flatter people. Matter of fact, when Pastor Dave had guest speakers come up uh, to preach at Times Square Church, he didn't want the people to clap for them. People start clapping. He said, don't clap for them. Just clap for Jesus. <laughs> so when Brother Don said, at Camp Champion a few years ago, Paul Burke is the best director Brooklyn Teen Challenge has ever had. My ears perked up. Because Teen Challenge has had a number of directors in the past 50 years, and Brother Don knew all of them. Now, I know he's not perfect. Nobody but God is perfect, amen? David Wilkerson wasn't perfect. Neither are you, neither am I. And neither is Pastor Paul. But he is a man after God's own heart, like David. I've noticed in the months that I've worked with him here on staff that God doesn't have to correct him very much. He corrects himself. God doesn't have to humble him. He humbles himself. You say, Pastor Charles, why is it so valuable to have a man after God's own heart as the leader of this ministry? Well, I heard the NFL announcers say, when Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it was just like Peyton Manning when he went to the Denver Broncos. 
their leadership skills, and their integrity elevated the entire team to the point in one year they became Super Bowl champions. Woohoo! <laughs> in one year, God wants to make you a Super Bowl champion, spiritually, that is. Amen? And I have seen there is, there is an anointing upon leadership that falls down into the people that are submitted to that leadership. It is a, it is a phenomenon. It's a, it's a wonderful thing that King David could take a group of men who were all in debt, who were all upset, who were all messed up, and turn around and you read the scriptures, David's mighty men of valor. All the men that were with him turned into men of valor. How in the world? There was an anointing on their leader that came down upon them. And I'm telling you, it's, a, it's as real as <clears throat> Tom Brady going to a, a good team and immediately turning in, into a great team. Peyton Manning going to the Denver Broncos. They won the Super Bowl that year. And when that announcer said their leadership skills and their integrity elevated every single person on their team and turned their team into Super Bowl champions in one year, I said, yeah, man, that's Brooklyn Team Challenge. Hallelujah. Paul's not paying me to preach this, you know. <laughs> he had no idea what I was going to say. But I am telling you, <laughs> I have learned from experience. There is a phenomena in the Bible called the transference of anointing upon the leadership into the people that are under them. It is real. It's just as real as what happened in Tampa Bay, just as real as what happened with the Denver Broncos. The men who served under David became mighty men of valor. They became men after God's own heart. The elders who served under Moses became like Moses. Why? It says in Numbers eleven sixteen, the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel. I will come down and talk with you there. I will take the spirit that is upon you, Moses, and I will put the same upon them. And two of the guys missed the meeting. <laughs> they didn't go out to the meeting with Moses. They were in the camp. All of a sudden, two guys, the spirit of God came upon them. They began to prophesy Spirit of the Lord turned them into prophets. And somebody complained, Moses, those, those two elders who didn't make it to the meeting, well, God came down upon them anyway. <laughs> and they're prophesying. Stop them. Moses said, what do you mean stop them? Would to God that all God's people were prophets. Would to God that he pour his spirit out on everybody. <laughs> Pastor Paul is not looking to produce just graduates. He's looking to produce strong leaders. Men of God 
Men who have a heart like David, who went after the heart of God. Let's do the same. Now, in my Thursday class, it's a time that we give the students the opportunity to share whatever they want. Even their complaints. Now, that can be a slippery slope. (laughs) Some of us started into a life of drugs partly because of the shortcomings of the authority figures in our lives. And we are good at building a case in our minds against authority figures. I mean, we turn into lawyers. I mean, we've got an airtight case against the leadership of this ministry. You know, I'm going to say this again because I think this is important enough to say again. Some of us started into a life of drugs partly because of the shortcomings of the authority figures in our lives. And we are good at building a case in our minds against authority figures like leaders, pastors, directors of ministries. But it says in Numbers 12:1, while they were at Hezeroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses. They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us? But the Lord heard them and said, why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? You know what happened? Miriam was struck with leprosy for seven days. Wow. Did I put that last slide up, last scripture? Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses. They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard them and said, why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? They weren't afraid to criticize him because their respect for God was not on the level it should have been. And and Miriam was struck with leprosy. And the whole camp had to wait a whole week. They had to wait. Like, what are we waiting for? Oh, Miriam, she's struck with leprosy. We've got to wait till she gets healed. (laughs) Like, oh my goodness. (laughs) What'd she do? She criticized the God appointed. Leadership. It's pretty heavy, huh? Their disrespect for Moses was a reflection of their disrespect for God. Now, I know my father was imperfect. He loved his kids. He was a workaholic. You kind of have to be to raise 12 kids. But I hardly ever saw him. And um, when he died when I was 16, uh, it shook my world and uh, was one of the main reasons why I came to Christ because I was so shattered inside as a 16-year-old to lose my dad. But it's, it's almost hard to believe how much he 
and his shortcomings and his sins and his failures affected my life. Do you know that I was pastoring a church in the South Bronx when I was 27, and I just had this foreboding black cloud over my life. I just felt like I was, I was working so hard for God. I was really burning the candle at both ends, working really, really hard. And yet, I felt like it wasn't enough. I felt like God the Father was mad at me. I felt like I wasn't quite good enough. And um, I finally went away for a few days to fast and pray and ask God to show me what was going on with me. And he said, son, you are viewing the Father through the shortcomings of your earthly father. And I'm like, God, how is that possible? My dad died when I was 16 years old. I forgave him. I moved on. He's dead and gone. And he said there was a, there was a traumatic father wound in your soul that is still affecting you. And I had to, I had to look and see, wow, the way I related to God the Father was like, you know, um, the only time I ever was hugged by my dad was if I brought home a report card filled with straight A's. I remember one year, I had six A's and a B. And my dad threw the card down and said, you can do better than that. And he didn't hug me. <laughs> 20 years later, here I am pastoring a church. God, I'm sorry. You know, I made an, I made an A this week in Bible study. I made a an A in witnessing. I made a, a B in fasting. I'm sorry, God, I'll try harder next week. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is crazy. And what can happen is if we have that friction between our earthly parents, it can mess up every relationship, especially with those in authority. How many times have I had to tell my wife, she'd say, honey, why do those sisters that are sitting in the back of the church frowning at me, why do they hate me so much? <laughs> I'd say, honey, it ain't you. It was their mom. It ain't you. It was their mother. So what am I saying? I'm saying that God has put an, a man of God over this ministry who has a heart like David. I mean, hands down. I don't look for perfection. None of us are perfect. But his heart is in the right place. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you have an opportunity to become a mighty man of valor. I mean, just sitting under this type of leadership can elevate your game to the point where you can win the spiritual Super Bowl. 
But one thing that can hinder it is try, trying to be a lawyer and, and build a case against the staff. When I first started here, everybody on staff was perfect. So we had to fire all the perfect ones because they wouldn't prepare the students for the real life. No kidding. <laughs> I mean, some of you guys are mad. Oh, brother so-so didn't talk to me. I'm like, man, what are you going to do when you go out and get a job at Home Depot and none of your supervisors talk to you for three weeks? You're going to cry and go home? <laughs> what I'm saying is there's, there's, a, there's a lot of, uh, that we can learn by sitting under imperfect leadership. But I'm telling you, you're not going to be a mighty man of valor if, if you uh, disrespect God to the point where you disrespect your leadership and you start building cases in your mind against the leadership and against the staff here. That, that is from the enemy. It is from the enemy. Amen? And this sermon is kind of like a trying to balance out some of my Thursday classes where I let everybody share whatever you want. And I'm going to keep doing that on Thursday because it's good for you to share. Amen? It's good to get it out. It's good to look at it. But I'm telling you, you know, I, uh, I had a father wound in my heart that took a long, long time for me to learn how to relate to authority figures in a healthy way. And uh, I would look at people in authority and I would say, how, how dare they not be perfect? And the Lord's like, Charles, how dare you judge them? God only works with imperfect people. That's all he has. And... Um, but poor Miriam, you know? How many people came out of Egypt? Like they say as many as six million. <laughs> How do you like six million people a whole week to say, we can't go yet. Miriam, she, she got leprosy. <laughs> Why'd she get leprosy? Oh, she talked bad about Moses. Ooh. <laughs> Guess we ought to be careful what we say about Moses. <laughs> It's not that it was Moses. Moses was the God-appointed leader. Amen? And so we want to have, have a healthy environment here where uh, there's a time and a place for you to share your frustrations. There's a time and a place. Uh, but it's, it's certainly not among one another where you get out your lawyer hat and build a case against the leadership it, it's been sad, man. I, I've seen people leave Team Challenge and uh, um, come back a few months later and like, man, I was like a lawyer, you know. I, was, I had it down pat, everything that was wrong with everybody, all the staff, all there. I mean, I just had like a list of all the things that they did wrong. And I just thought about it over and over and over and over and over. Brother Don, and I'll, I'll close with this. Brother Don told me that there was a, a staff man, a student who came to a scene challenge. He, he was there for like a week. And uh, 
he didn't know who Brother Don is. He just saw him in the front as he was coming in to get some, going into the cafeteria. And he just said to Brother Don, man, this, this, place, is, this place is terrible. I'm, I'm about to leave. And Brother Don said, why? He said, oh, man, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe all the junk going on with the staff. And Brother Don said, hey, uh, why don't you get your tray of food and come up to my office upstairs and have lunch with me? I want to hear what you got to say. <laughs> so Brother Don, you know, the guy realized, oh, my goodness, he's the director of the program. I'm going into the director's office, you know. <laughs> he sat down with him, and they ate, and they talked. And so Brother Don said, so tell me, tell me your list of uh, grievances, the things you see wrong. And the guy said, this is happening, and this is happening, and the, and the, and the staff is doing this, and, and this, and this, and this, and this. And Brother Don said, yeah, um, that's not even half of it, brother. <laughs> it's a whole lot worse than what you see. But God is still here. And God is still working through us. And none of us are perfect. And the guy stayed. Hallelujah. <laughs> so I think in closing, I want to I rebuke all the, all the demonic um, lawyer spirits. <laughs> Amen. When Jesus said, woe unto you lawyers. <laughs> it reminds me of an uh, immature Teen Challenge student. Oh, man, I got a good case against the staff. Anybody who wants to hear my, my I'll put them on trial, man. I'll, I will judge them. I, I will convict them, and they're going to go to prison for the rest of their life. What did they do? They got mad at me. Oh, okay. <laughs> Help us, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. Anyway, I want to be a man of God who who loves the Lord with all my heart. Amen? Amen? So I love hanging out with this guy. I love hanging out with this pastor. I love hanging out with this, this brother right here, Josh. I love hanging out with guys who love the Lord. Uh, pastor Winston, love the Lord with all their hearts because it just motivates me. I want to tear down every idol inside of me, everything that I would tend to love more than God. I, man, I just want to just, just say that's off limits. But I can't, I can't do it alone. I can't be that mighty man of valor unless I'm with men of God who are fervent for the Lord. Amen? And I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we, we have, we have, we, I'm telling you, we have a Super Bowl caliber quarterback director. I'm telling you. I've been around long enough in the body of Christ to know a man after God's own heart when I see it. And so, you know, I've, I've said to quite a few staff members in my mentoring, you're blessed. You have a man like David. You have a man like David at the helm. And I'm telling you, as we follow the leading of the Lord through him, we are going to be mighty men and women of God. That goes for the staff. That goes for the students. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come against every lying spirit. I come against every accusing spirit. I come against every demonic uh, lawyer spirit that would try to convince 
students and staff that that we've got a case and it's an iron it's it's a it's an ironclad case against the leadership god who are we to judge another who are we to judge your servants to you they stand or fall not to us lord so father in the name of jesus i just want to say thank you lord for allowing me to um Walk with men of God who love you with their whole heart. God, it is doing me good. It's getting me more on fire. And Lord, we all have shortcomings. We all have blind spots. We all have areas of weakness. None of us are perfect. But I pray for divine protection upon the minds of the students and the staff that would, would protect us against that lying spirit that would come in with, with accusations and, and, and pointing of the finger and, and focusing on everything that's wrong. Lord, like Brother Don said, it, it's, it's a lot worse than what you see, but God is still here. And you are here, Lord, and you're doing a work in our lives. And I pray that the, the accusations of the enemy would not hinder, would not hinder what you want to do in the lives of our staff and of our students. Lord, we humble ourselves before you, and we say we do not want to follow in the way of Jeroboam. We want to follow in the way of David, and we want to follow in the way of Josiah, and we want to declare off-limits all the idols of our past. And we want to be on fire for you. And we want to walk with men and women who are on fire for you. And we ask God in the name of Jesus that you would bring the fire of your presence, the fire of your Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we can be men and women of God who love the Lord our God with all our heart with all our soul, with all our mind, and all our strength in the name of Jesus.